This week, the Rochester Rundown is brought to you by Ultra Federal Credit Union, a member-owned financial institution with two convenient branches right here in Rochester. Ultra is proud to support local independent journalism on MedCity Beat. Today on the Rochester Rundown, it's time to mark an anniversary. 70 years ago yesterday, two researchers at the Mayo Clinic were honored for an achievement that changed the field of medicine forever, and to this day helps millions of people with joint pain and arthritis. It's the story of cortisone, one of Mayo's greatest discoveries that earned those two researchers a Nobel Prize. Clinic historian Matt Dacey will take us through the incredible story coming up in a bit. Plus, the weekly check of Olmstead County's COVID-19 numbers and an update on the plagiarism scandal that continues to follow Superintendent Michael Munoz. I'm Isaac Janes. It's Friday, December 11th, 2020. Now let's get to the news. December 10th, 1950. It was about time for Mayo Clinic's annual employee talent review. That's what's playing in the background right now. It was the first holiday season that the Plumber Building was lit up like a Christmas tree. Rochester's population had not yet eclipsed 30,000. It was a crisp, cloudless 21-degree Sunday in Rochester. Not too unlike the climate of Stockholm, Sweden, where doctors Edward Kendall and Philip Hench found themselves on that Sunday in December. Seventy years ago, on Thursday, the two doctors, along with Swiss researcher Thaddeus Reichstein, were awarded the 1950 Nobel Prize in Medicine for their discovery and medical implementation of cortisone. According to Matt Dacey, director of Heritage Hall Mayo Clinic's museum, the story does not begin and end with two people at a ceremony. In fact, their discovery took the work of dozens of people over 30 years of research, and as always... A little bit of luck. And, and you find this with discoveries. There's sort of a gravitational pull where different people come together for that moment. And it's like a, per, a perfect storm in a good way, you know, where, yeah. where things really happen. Dr. Kendall and Dr. Hench did not normally work together, the former being a biochemist and lab scientist, the latter a rheumatologist. Dr. Kendall spent the majority of his clinic career researching the adrenal cortex, and gained international acclaim for a previous discovery on Christmas Day 1914, isolating the active chemical in the thyroid gland for the first time. That was who Dr. Kendall was, says Dacey, working at all times, relentless in his research. And in 1914, as in 1950, his work paid off. So he was in the lab, and he actually dozed off like on the night, the day or the night before Christmas. You cannot make this up. And, and, then he, and then he woke up and he saw uh, what to his wondering eyes it appear, these little white crystals in, in, his, in his beaker. And so when other people were out celebrating, he was, he was in the lab, you know, doing that. So that was a kind of the intensity that, that, that he had. As for Dr. Hench, he was, of course, a relentless worker, but he was better known in Rochester circles for his gregarious nature and the varied interests he held. Dr. Hench was a prominent figure in Rochester as the husband of Mary Kaler and was an avid reader and writer. That kind of showed his, his, uh, his curiosity, his um, kind of that he, he could bridge art and, you know, art and medicine. He, he loved you know, fiction yeah. writing as well as um, medical science, of course. The two doctors crossed paths in the mid-1940s as Dr. Kendall isolated compounds inside that adrenal cortex just as he had done with the thyroid 30 years prior. This intrigued Dr. Hench, who had noticed that some of his patients with rheumatoid arthritis were relieved of their pain if they developed jaundice or if they became pregnant. 
he suspected a hormone released from the adrenal cortex was the culprit. In September 1948, Dr. Hench administered the first experimental dose of what was then called Compound E, and it showed instant results. And after a large-scale successful clinical trial, the two doctors released their findings in April 1949, and almost immediately the shockwaves were felt across the medical landscape. The clinic, uh, they actually took movies of the early patients showing a person who had extreme arthritis and then was able to, to move. And Life magazine picked this up. And so this oh, wow. was okay. really well publicized. Um, and this was back in the days, you know, when, when movies were, this was not on your phone. This was a big mm-hmm. effort to get a camera and the patient and all of that put together. That Life magazine spread was published in June 1949. So just over a year later, the telegram came through. Kendall and Hench were Nobel winners. Just about six weeks later, the two Mayo doctors were on a plane to Stockholm to meet Reichstein, their Swiss collaborator, plus the royal family of Sweden to accept their awards. This is actual audio from that 1950 ceremony, but don't listen too hard, it's all in Swedish. The three Nobel laureates each took home just under 55,000 Swedish krona. Through a couple of conversion rates and a little bit of math, that's the equivalent of taking home roughly $125,000 today. As Daisy explains, Dr. Hench wanted to split his portion of the winnings with the clinical trial team, but one of the nursing supervisors couldn't accept his gift because she had taken a vow to God. Now, Sister Pantalone, of course, had taken a vow of poverty. She's a Franciscan sister, right? She could not accept financial compensation for her contributions. But Dr. Hench would not take no for an answer. So Dr. Uh, Hench, uh, always um, enterprising, said, that's fine, sister. We will create a study grant for you to go to Europe, and then you can meet the Pope. And and so he found a way uh, to recognize her, honor her, but within the the, the, the lane where, where where she had her vows and, and, and her service. So she had that experience. Both doctors retired soon after winning the Nobel Prize, Kendall literally four months later in April 1951 before becoming a biochemistry professor at Princeton. Of course, neither of these men are with us anymore. Dr. Hench passed in 1965, Dr. Kendall in 1972. And to this day, cortisone remains a common tool in treating rheumatoid arthritis, among other uses. Longtime sports fans have likely heard about a player on their favorite team receiving a cortisone shot to treat an injured shoulder or knee, just some joint that's flaring up. It does have some serious side effects, but it has remained largely unchanged since the two doctors discovered the treatment. In fact, clinic doctors have found that cortisone can do more than just mask the symptoms of arthritis. This is Dr. Eric Madison from 2012, former rheumatology chair at Mayo. Steroids have been a mainstay of treatment for rheumatoid arthritis, but it's been unclear whether they simply cover up the symptoms or treat the symptoms or whether they actually have an effect on modifying the disease course. As we've gone along over the years, we've actually learned that steroids do have some effect not only on controlling the symptoms but modifying the disease course. The doctor's Nobel victory remains the only Nobel Prize credited to Mayo Clinic. The prize itself has sat for years inside the historical suite on the third floor of the Plummer Building. And post-pandemic, Dacey says, the actual vials used to isolate cortisone for the first time will be on display inside Heritage Hall as a gift from the son of Dr. Hench. But for now, Heritage Hall is closed, meaning one of the only open public links to this monumental discovery is a tiny bit of green space in the south parking lot of First Presbyterian Church, also used as parking space for clinic employees. 
It's just a couple benches and a few steps, nothing crazy, no markers that I found. But it's the old front porch of the Hench residence where Philip received that fateful telegram seven decades ago. It's a testament to a great discovery, one that has endured for seven decades and promises to do so for several more. I always tell people that when you see those steps, uh, Dr. Hench would come bounding up those steps the day he got the telegram you know, that, 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 that would have announced it. So kind of a, a fun little secret garden here in, in Rochester. The Med City Beats Rochester Rundown is sponsored by Altra Federal Credit Union. Whether you are in the market for a home mortgage, car loan, or are simply looking for a trusted brand to manage your money, Altra is here to help. Unlike large, privately owned banks, Altra is a credit union owned by its members, allowing it to reinvest profits in its stakeholders, employees, and the communities in which it operates. Among its key priorities, Promoting financial literacy to local youth through the Altra Foundation. To learn more about how Altra can help you live your best life, visit altra.org. If you want to learn more about the doctors and their discoveries, check out the article accompanying this podcast on our website. It's filled with links to stories, more pictures, videos, you name it. I had a great time researching their story. There's so much out there. Now, a look at what's happening on our website, medcitybeat.com. There is some optimism on the COVID-19 front inside Mayo Clinic this week. Dr. Amy Williams, dean of the Mayo Clinic practice, said hospitalizations and percent positive rates were in decline across nearly the entire Mayo Clinic health system, including Rochester. 83 patients are currently hospitalized with COVID-19 in Rochester, with 21 of those patients needing ICU beds. Still a significant number, according to Dr. Williams, but the lowest number since she began giving weekly media briefings about a month ago. Olmstead County Public Health reported 708 new cases of COVID-19 this week, slightly up from last week's total of 685. And a reminder, those numbers come out every Wednesday. In a unanimous decision Tuesday, the Rochester School Board voted to suspend Superintendent Michael Munoz without pay for five days. The board's decision came in response to the revelation that Munoz plagiarized a thank you note to district staff in late November, first reported by MedCityBeat. In addition to the suspension, Munoz will be required to work with board members Kathy Nathan and Don Barlow to implement a public restorative practices plan in the immediate future. And that's where we'll leave it this week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, the best way to support us is to become a member, be a part of quality local journalism at medcitybeat.com membership. I'm Isaac Janes with Med City Beat. We may or may not have a podcast next week. Definitely not the two Fridays after that. There are a couple of big days. So we'll see when I talk to you next. Thank you to Ultra for sponsoring these last 12 rundowns. They've been a big help, and I'm truly grateful for their support, as I am for yours. Have a great weekend, everybody.